What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the Project Zeus Files, a brand new exclusive series brought to you by Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. My name is Rob Graham and I'm joined by my co-host Tom Harrison. It's weird when it's this way around. Hello. Yeah, I know. I managed to get the whole way through it this time. The only other time I've ever done this was uh, in a guest interview that we did and I completely screwed it up. <laughs> so I, my, my palms were a little sweaty as I was doing the intro. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I got through it unscathed. Um, If you're listening to this, it's because you're one of our patrons and we just wanted to give you guys a little something extra um, just for being the dedicated folk who support us through through Patreon. Some of you have been with us right since since sort of day one of us having a Patreon account and really, really early days of the podcast. Some of you are much more sort of recent uh, patrons, but uh, it's really, really um, humbling that nearly 50 of you... the time of recording part with your your hard-earned money each month to to support what we do so tom and i just thought it'd be great to be able to to give you a little something back absolutely yeah particularly as we we talked if you listened um to our series eight finale already which hopefully you have then you have you'll know that um this summer is uh, we're going to be taking a, a bit of a bigger gap than normal between eight and nine as i've got my wedding coming up um and so that's just drawing a little bit of, um, you know, th- th- that kind of lands almost exactly where we would probably have come back for Series 9 to, to sort of adjust the, the timelines. Um, but hopefully you guys enjoy this new um, series, which we're dubbing, as Rob mentioned earlier, Project Zeus Files, um, as we wanted to make sure that you weren't sort of going without for, for weeks on end. Yeah, and you've probably seen it on our social media channels. I've been plugging it pretty hard. The this new mini series is sort of going to have a bit of a wide range of focus. Tom and I were, were discussing how we were going to approach it. We thought it was a really good idea to sort of pick the sort of smaller niche areas of peep show that we don't always get the chance to chat about in the sort of the main review episode. So maybe thinking about like specific characters a bit more. Um, we definitely want to talk about stuff like the American 
um, episode of Peep Show that um, Johnny Galecki was in. Um, and we're completely open to, to your ideas. So if there is something you think, oh, do you know what? That would make for a really sort of nice little 30 minute episode. I can I can listen to it whilst I'm, I'm walking my dog. Then uh, then give us a shout, send us a message on, on Patreon and, and we'll try and, and try and work something in. So this week we're going to be discussing arguably the most I'd say the most talked about and discussed sort of aspect of Peep Show aside from the sort of the point of view and the the monologue, which is Mark's quest for the one. And there are clearly some front runners, there are clearly some main candidates, but I think it's important that we're going to give some of the time to those sort of forgotten flings that Mark has along the way. So for for every April, there's a Valerie and for every Dobby, there's a Lucy. Yep, absolutely. I'm looking forward to this because it's something that we've talked about on and off for eight series of the the main podcast now. So to just kind of distill it into a quick discussion is uh, it's going to be interesting. So let's begin by identifying the sort of the the clear three obvious candidates. We've got Dobby, we've got Sophie, and we've got April. At various points of the show, each one of them is singled out as the one, in inverted commas, only sort of for the inevitable clashing and burning to occur, normally down to to Mark's social ineptitude rather than necessarily, although we can sort of pick this apart as we go through, rather than necessarily one of the faults of one of the, the lovely ladies that he's courting, but I feel like we might unpick that a little bit more. Shall we shall we dive in by talking about the three main candidates and then we can sort of have a have a bit of a discussion at the end about the sort of the runners and the riders. Pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's go. So I think chronologically, like obviously our first candidate is Sophie. Um and I have my thoughts on Sophie. I've shared my thoughts quite extensively on the podcast about Sophie. Tom, what do you make of as Sophie as being a, a one for Mark? Uh, I think Sophie's a really interesting character because I think in the first few episodes, she seems like a really good fit. And I think whether that's partly down to the fact that, you know, Sam and Jesse are still kind of figuring her out a bit themselves as they're writing the character and kind of learning what Olivia Coleman's going to do with that character um she seems very much up mark street but i think as we get to know her more and more and i think that you know the, the sort of wilder elements to her character start to not shine through because some of them are quite destructive tendencies with their um with their drinking and drug taking towards sort of series three and four and she kind of i think mark at that point is learning that yeah hang on a minute sophie isn't as special as I because I think Mark really builds her up I think Sophie's probably the person that Mark builds up the most in his head and I think that's whether probably because they work together so it's a lot of you know like quick glances over you know from across the office and it's all a bit you know kind of I can imagine Mark getting a lot of excitement over little moments like that when actually when they get down to the relationship you kind of quickly learn that there's not all that much there yeah, I think fundamentally they have little to nothing in common. Like mm. they acknowledge that, and I think it's a it's all about the chase for Mark. I think we talked about this on the main podcast that he enjoys the series one, two, and three of the build up to getting Sophie, and then when he realizes that he's got her, he's a bit like I don't really want her anymore. Like the excitement was <laughs> in the. They're getting her to go out with him. Once he actually got her, he didn't really know what to do and realised that quite 
quickly he wasn't particularly interested. But I think they both acknowledge the fact that they aren't necessarily the perfect match. Like, they talk about, I think, just after they get engaged, that maybe, like, she can go off and see her friends a bit more, he can do some of his historical stuff. Like, they will form a union and a partnership rather than necessarily, like, a deeply romantic, passionate um, bond, if you like. Like, it's not going to be a... a, a a marriage if it had ever happened it was never going to be a marriage of of passion and um like deep deep love for each other i think they would have done it out of being a certain age and wanting to settle down and and doing the right thing i think would have been what would have ultimately kept them together convention i think so yeah absolutely and what i was going to say is that i think sophie you know at the end of the show mark is left on his own you know with jazz at the flat you know just as they started i think if mark had to choose any of the sort of you know the main three that we're talking about i think mark would seriously give sophie consideration i mean he does ultimately in series nine right towards the end and I think, you know, you, you hear in, it's quite common in sort of films and, and TV that, you know, people make packs. Like, if we're both single by the time we're 40, like, we'll get together. And it's funny, actually, towards the end of Peep Show, they are approaching 40. Jez has his 40th birthday at the very end. And I do very much think that Mark would rather be with Sophie than be alone. I think if he had to make that choice, he would take... I mean, her dad offers him that deal, doesn't he? Of like, it's like 45k in like the seed van or something, Nana's cottage. I think ultimately, like, Mark wants the the 2.4 kids with the the dog in a detached house, you know, four beds with a dog in the, you know, in like the the suburbs. Um, I think it's convention. You hit the nail on the head with that word. I think that's what Mark is really striving for, and I think it that unravels the moment he gets to know Sophie. And I think I, I mentioned earlier about how, you know, when they, they only know each other through work to begin with. So he only has that side of her like on show, like that's how she presents herself at work. And of course people are very different when they, you know, they clock off at five, half five. And I think as Mark spends more time with her outside of work, he realizes, Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. There are some quite noticeable differences here. And perhaps she wasn't what, I kind of built her up in my mind to be because I think Mark is very, very guilty of that on so many occasions. Yeah, and I think ultimately we can't rule her out as being like, I don't think in the concept of the one of being this ideal match for Mark, she's going to be scoring like one out of ten. But in terms of the necessity and like we keep saying that word, the convention and doing what's right and proper then she probably is quite a good match for Mark because she's happy to to settle for this, I know we're not ideal, but it's better than nothing type thing. So I think that's why she's in this discussion as one of the, the sort of the principal three. Um, but I'm I'm not convinced that <laughs> Sophie's the one for Mark. No, not at all. But I think like you say, she's off she's key, she's our first like romantic interest, and she is there from the very beginning to the very end, essentially. And ultimately, you know, they they get married as quickly as that ends. They have a kid as disastrous as the you know, that um conception is, but he goes further with Sophie than anyone else. So I think, yeah, we definitely have to talk about her. And as I was saying, I think if I think Mark would rather be with Sophie than be alone, at least. So whether that is 
enough to make other one out of these. I, I don't think so. I agree that there are more suitable candidates, but um, I think there's something that Mark does always wonder about, you know, or would it be better if I did just go back to Sophie? And she clearly, you know, feels the same way because she's the one that kind of propositions Mark towards the end. What is it he says? A little bit adorable, a little bit annoying, right on the cusp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that I think that sums up uh, things quite nicely. Now, I did promise Tom at the beginning of this episode that we would only do five minutes per character, so we kept this to a to a nice pocket-sized episode. So let's move swiftly on to to Miss Dob Dobalina Dobby. Um, now, I'm going to give listeners a bit of insight that we are listening, we are recording this episode just after we've spoken to Izzy Sooty, obviously played Dobby. So Izzy's Izzy's impression of Dobby and therefore our impression of Dobby is quite fresh in my mind whilst talking about this. Um, so, Tom, do you want to start off? Where where does Dobby rank amongst the, the ones for Mark? I think she's kind of like in a serious kind of two-horse race. I think Dobby's definitely like one of the, the key runners. I think when she lands on the scene, she's a huge like breath of fresh air. She makes an immediate impact on both us as an audience and on Mark. I think she ticks so many boxes for Mark. Um, she's a bit more outspoken than Mark and less sort of ashamed of her own sort of um, like eccentric nature. Um, whereas Mark kind of like tries to suppress that as much as possible. Whereas Dobby kind of just embraces it. But I think other than that, I think she she ticks so many boxes, and I think we're really rooting for for mark and dobby for quite a long time whereas with sophie i think cracks appear like very early in their relationship whereas with dobby i think it takes a little longer to um for them to appear um but ultimately the the change that dobby goes through at once gerard dies and she kind of has a this realization that she needs to embrace life signals the end very much and I think from there they just go on two very different paths yeah and I think that sort of series five and series six Dobby is unquestionably the ideal fit for Mark but I think because of the character shift that she goes through and the change in her personality which like you said is obviously triggered by by Gerard dying it it comes to the point where you get to the end of series eight and you're thinking, thank God they've broken up. Like this has been the slowest, most gradual decline of a relationship. Obviously it's happening over six episodes. So it doesn't actually feel that short, but like you can see it coming from the beginning of um, the Jeremy therapist episode at the beginning of series eight, you can already see the cracks starting to emerge and you're thinking who's going to be the one to sort of break this off first neither of them are are likely to actually end a relationship so i think if we almost have dobby as two separate parts like by the end dobby is not the one for mark like she has changed and he hasn't which isn't necessarily a bad thing and i think um i'm just reflecting on what um izzy obviously said about the fact that like that does just happen in relationships you 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 might be really really similar at the start but you change and one of you changes in a way that is quicker than the way that the other one's changing. Like, it is just natural. Um, I think something on, off the back of that is that we have to remind ourselves that Dobby is referenced. I don't know what the gap is, but there is a, it's referenced that it's, there's a quite a significant age gap between Mark and Dobby. And I think, you know, Mark used to stay in, you know, in his little fortress of solitude or whatever. 
I think Dobby's up for that to begin with, but then I think she's just maturing. I mean, the, the catalyst of Gerard's death is definitely a thing, but I think she just kind of grows up a bit and wants, wants more from life, whereas Mark is very much against that. And that's kind of like the, the key keystone um, that kind of falls out um, of, of their relationship to use a very, very bad like bridge metaphor. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that stands <laughs> up. But, um, <laughs> I think <sighs> people that you speak to will use Dobby as, yeah, that's definitely Mark's one. Like David Mitchell said he thinks that, that Dobby ultimately was the one for Mark. Um, Izzy sort of gave quite a detailed and lengthy answer about what she thought. Um, I'm not convinced. I don't think... I think... What we see at the beginning when we're like, she is just basically different in a lot of ways from Mark, but so able just to read him so deeply in a way that the only person we've seen him with for any length of time was Sophie and Sophie just didn't read him and understand him in the same way that Dobby does or Dobby did Mm. at the beginning and although that is brilliant and fantastic and brings them closer together at the beginning and gives them that deep sort of understanding actually she becomes so frustrated by him by the end of series eight or the end of series seven and the beginning of series eight the resentment i think is just beginning to grow between her towards him but also he's realizing that she's putting it off her putting it off is is being built up through the resentment that she's growing towards him and neither of them are actually just going to say do you know what this is this is enough and actually the way it ends up breaking up is actually in a really sort of bizarre um way when they go to the Quantox and it ends really on a on a really sort of strange note for them but again like with Sophie I think we split Dobby into two parts we early stage Dobby 100% like 10 out of 10 but towards the end we are pleased when it breaks up which I think gives us an indication of of how much Dobby might be the one yeah I, I think we have to remember as well that I would say Mark probably treats Dobby the worst out of like any of his relationships. And I think there's only so much really that Dobby can take. So I'm not really surprised that she's in a position where they, they decide to move in. And I think perhaps she suddenly realizes actually what she's signed up for and thinks, "Mm, hang on a minute. Do I actually want to live with this person? Like it's a huge step, which is something we touched on with Izzy. I think Mark does a lot to destroy that relationship. I mean, the Christmas the way that his dad is so disrespectful when he doesn't offer any kind of defense. He then, you know, bad mouths her, you know, when she stood right behind him, he just scores so many own goals. And I think it's, it, it's not a surprise at all when, you know, even before series A, which we've just documented about the, you know, the painfully slow decline as this, the saga of trying to get her to move in that never happens. I think the, um, the beginnings of that are in, series seven yeah and i think yeah i think i might ask you to rank the three that we're going to discuss by the end of this i think i think dobby definitely scores above sophie for me in the in the idea of being the one um i can imagine there being some level of happiness in mark's life if he ended up with dobby even when stuff started to change because i feel he alters his personality to fit whoever he needs it to fit which isn't a good way of being but if it's his way to happiness, then then so be it. But I think our 
I think our final contender, so our final main sort of candidate, there's a lot to be said for her. So shall we move on to move on to April, Miss April Danecroft or Mrs. April Danecroft, I presume. So uh, uh, where are we? Where are we placing April amongst the the hierarchy? I think April is really fascinating because obviously we meet her in series two, don't we? The middle of series two, and then she makes a huge impression. And obviously, this the Sophie storyline is still kind of you know ticking along, and we're whisked away to Dartmouth. And not that April is like exotic in any way, but she's something quite different and much more similar to to Mark. I think she definitely leaves a lasting impression. I think. We all think it's a huge shame when, you know, they have to go back to the real world and April is left behind. So to have her come back for series nine was not only a huge surprise because you think, blimey, that's, you know, seven series later. I don't think I've ever seen a character come back, you know, after that <laughs> that much time. Um, I think April does tick an awful lot of boxes. I think, I think she's quite similar. She has quite a lot of the key things that Dobby has in common with Mark, but also has like the crippling self-doubt whereas Dobby was more confident as I said earlier and she kind of embraces who she is whereas April very much doesn't and I think because Mark doesn't do that I think that's a key point in April's favour. Yeah I think you touched on the series two um, introduction to April. I don't think that when we leave April in series two that we're thinking or when April leaves and we obviously like you said we're not expecting her to come back I don't think there's any inclination of us thinking that she's the one at that point like it's not really until she comes back in series nine that we realise what an impact she had on Mark. Yeah, I mean, we uh, the great the beauty of the internal monologue as well. I think he refers to her like he mentions something about like her, you know a moment that he replays in his mind, like you know after all this time. I think so. It's clear that she has this huge impact on him. I think way back in series two, I mean, she's a university student. Like Mark is, you know, he's long since graduated. So I think. April like matures quite a lot by the time we see her in series nine. I mean, she's married and she has like a proper career and everything. Um, so I think that was something that um, Catherine, who who we spoke to, who plays April, um, certainly commented on. Um, so I think it was too soon back in series two. Um, and I think, I mean, April does show a bit of a wild side from time to time. Like she, you know, they do cope together. Um, so there's definitely something about that. I think Mark really, he chooses, you know, these three people we're talking about all have a tendency to, you know, to do drugs, don't they? Which is interesting. Um, whereas Mark's very much like anti-drugs. Um, but I think April's, in terms of like temperament, like she's the closest to Mark, which I think goes a long way actually for someone like Mark. And it's interesting you touched on the drugs bit, actually, because if you think both Sophie and Dobby both do drugs and he doesn't touch them, even though he knows that, like, to gain social acceptance from them, it might be good to do them. April is the only one that he actually changes the way he behaves and ends up snorting two lines of coke in order to impress her, which I think gives us an indication of how much he is willing to change his personality or change his, his core values. Because people who don't do drugs feel quite strongly about not doing drugs. So the fact that he's willing to do it to impress her, I think, gives us an indication of where she stands amongst the the the, the ranks of being the one. That's Yeah, that's an interesting point, because I think he, he fakes it, doesn't he, to impress Sophie, whereas... Uh... I suppose you can't really fake, like, snorting a line of coke, whereas with the pill, like, you can. Um, but, yeah, it is interesting that Mark crosses that line that, um, 
I don't think we'd seen him take drugs before then, had we? He he smokes a joint in. He does a bong hit. Or he takes he? a. Yeah. And he also takes a um he takes a drag. Um, in the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl, the Laser Bowl. Um, yes, uh, toilets in series one. Yeah, very early. Yeah, but I think there's a step up to them doing like multiple lines of you know cocaine. So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one that Mark kind of goes <laughs> the extra mile in a weird way. Um, but I do think it's interesting that even April um is kind of a, a you know partakes in that sort of stuff as well. Um, but I think on the whole. Uh, April, yeah, very good fit. I think as we get towards the end, you think, oh, maybe, you know, it will actually work out. Um, but of course, like, this is Peep Show and nothing lasts, everything crumbles to dust. Um, so, but interestingly, I think you made a really good point earlier about how by the time Dobby and Mark end, like, we're kind of relieved and the same with Sophie. But with April, I was just sad. Yeah, and I think... I think part of that is down to the fact that it happened so late. I think it's mm. we know that we're watching this. I can't remember how I felt at the time, um, so I I can't really think about whether I felt sad about the fact that he'd blown it with April. Let's let's not forget, like he he doesn't do as much wrong to April as he does to Sophie and Dobby and. Ultimately, his screw-ups are what ends it with April. Aside from the fact she decides she's going to get back with her, with her, um, her husband, or we presume that April and Angus have sort of reconciled by the end of it. Um, whereas with Sophie and Dobby, it is he doesn't actually he he screws up the whole way through their relationships, but it isn't the relationship ending because he's screwed up as such with either of them. Um. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember that he does kidnapping or signs off on the kidnapping of Angus at the very end, which I think is quite one of the more extreme things that Mark does. But I think, yeah, he, he certainly doesn't do as much to destroy. I mean, the things with Dobby, like there are so many instances. But that, that you know, the relationships with Dobby and Sophie are quite a lot longer. Like April comes in like back of series nine and not even the first episode, I don't think. It's like the, the, the second episode, I think. Um, so we have a lot less time to, you know, work with for her. Um, so it, it kind of gets condensed, doesn't it? Yeah, and I also think, like, there's one fundamental thing with, with April is that Sophie and Dobby are both single when Mark starts... Well, actually, to be fair, Dobby's, Dobby's sort of bouncing in and out of dating in different relationships, isn't she? Mm. Whereas, like... April is married like he is she might be the one for Mark but the reason he has quite a lot of difficulty although he does have sex with her twice in the space of about like quite a short period of time doesn't he um that she's married like that is a big stumbling block for why ultimately they're not going to end up longer term together because deep down she she's a person of commitment and um like we talked about with Sophie like um, convention and actually she's not just going to throw her marriage away from Mark because she had a couple of quickies with him even though ultimately he might be a better fit for her than Angus mm. yeah no, yeah, fair point so I think looking at those three as sort of our three main candidates I think my personal sort of order I think I'm going to have to say that I would probably I'm, I'm, I'm stalling here whilst I make my final decision <laughs> But I um I feel like 
I'm going to say Dobby. Dobby, number one. April, number two. Sophie, number three. Okay, interesting. So, well, I'm glad we don't fully agree. That would be quite boring then. I'm, I'm going to put April at number one. Dobby, number two. Sophie, number three. But I'll caveat that I'll say, though, that the most realistic um for mark would actually be sophie i think if he was going to end up with any of them he would crawl back to sophie and live a horrible life um in nana's cottage with their son which i think is a very important factor i think he would settle for that rather than you know get into like progress into his like 40s um still living with jazz yeah yeah absolutely fair well i'm glad we've 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 come to some sort of decision um i'm gonna I'm going to just shout a few names out to you and I want you to just give me a, a very, very sort of quick sort of thoughts on their suitability for Mark. Like, I'm not suggesting, although there is one name in here that I think you'll you'll sort of go more deep more deep on in terms of whether they might have been the one. Um, but here we go. Here's a few names. So, Valerie. Thoughts on Valerie? Just quick, quick. Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely no chance. It's a little bit of a shame that we, we meet Valerie um, before we actually get to know Mark too well, because I think she's in episode three, isn't she? I mean, she, she's great yeah. and bounces off well with Mark. Um, but I, I kind of wish we'd seen her a little bit later, actually. I think going back now, you can appreciate it a bit more. Um, but at the time, um, it was... It, I think it, yeah, I don't know, it didn't quite work as well as it as it could have. I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now going back. But no, absolutely not. Terrible. <laughs> it would have been even worse if it had happened in later series because it's just about acceptable that he's doing it when he does it. But, like, if he'd done it any older, it just becomes even more sort of bizarre. Yeah, that's true. She's, like, 17 or something, isn't she? She's doing, like, her A-levels or something. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. So I, I retract everything I just said. <laughs> now, there's a couple that I don't even think we really need to sort of lay too much time on. So I'm thinking about his sort of flings or, or nearly flings that he has. So you've got Heather, who I, I think is an absolute no-go. I think there's there's no compatibility there. I think it's just an absolute sort of car crash from start to finish and the same with with lucy obviously the the girl from the the stag do episode i don't think there's any level of compatibility she is honestly one of the worst people yeah um, i think there's also a difference there is that actually nothing you know that doesn't even start with either of heather or say uh, lucy i guess you could maybe call that they have a date but there's never a, like at least with valerie like they actually kind of hook up and they go on like a proper date that's like <laughs> consensual whereas he's kind of held hostage for the date with lucy um and heather is a, a real non-starter so yeah so there's nothing there yeah and then we've got um we've got suze we've got callie and we've got stephanie they're my next three on my list discuss suze i think with just like you know the, the mental posho thing Probably actually suits Mark more than quite a few of those people that you just mentioned, but ultimately, like that's definitely a, that was never going to work. Callie is is the band manager, isn't she? She is, yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that she kind of teaches him how to do sex properly. Um, it is a nice touch, but I think ultimately she was a real go getter and knew what she wanted from life. And I don't think Mark would have he would have been eaten alive by Callie. Um, and then who else did you mention? Stephanie, who I thought you might have a bit more of an opinion. Ste- yeah, on. Stephanie. I think I-, I mentioned a few times we we did the episode that featured Stephanie not long ago. Um, I I think she could well be the one. I think 
Uh, there's definitely a strong case there. It's a shame we only get one episode, but I think it's a great episode where she comes in because it's it's so typical that, you know, Mark kind of meets a potential one candidate and then just, like, disregards her, like, so quickly. Um, I think they have a lot in common. I think if they actually got together, I think she would kind of find, you know, figure Mark out as a bit of a fraud. He's not got it all together as much as he kind of suggests he has when they're on their business course. Whereas Stephanie, while she's kind of had that bit of a mess of a marriage and there's like hints that she's perhaps, you know, you know, everyone's got their flaws, particularly in Peep Show, but I think she has her life like fairly well together. Um, whereas Mark very much doesn't. So I, I don't think Mark would last all that long with her, but I, I like to, to dream that, you know, they could live happily ever after and form a joint, you know, business together, business and pleasure ideal combination for mark um yeah now the the last two names and i did miss off saz i didn't even consider saz or text <laughs> the trophy girlfriend the last two names i've got on my list uh are, are alan johnson and jeremy osborne <laughs> yeah i mean but yeah both great shouts i think for johnson um obviously there's that very you know the way back series one is it with this idea that mark might be um gay or or bi um and kind of fantasizes a little bit about johnson as a bit of confusion i think um well i mean we know johnson's not gay so that's clearly a non-starter um i think mark and johnson living together doing business it would be very tragic but they could maybe be something like Johnson says on multiple occasions, he's kind of done with women. Um, so maybe there's a very tragic peep show ending where they live together. But I think, you know, that's not much better than living with Jez, who coming to at the end, I think ultimately you probably could say he is the one. He's the one that he starts the show with. He's the one that ends the show with. They understand each other better than anyone. Um, and that is kind of, you know, it's the secret source of the show, isn't it? So, um, yeah, probably is Jez. So there we have it, the the definitive answer. I didn't think we were going to get a definitive answer, but I feel like amongst the three obvious candidates, I think we, we've disagreed, but I think we can agree that um, you've made it, you've made a really good point there. Like he starts the show with him, he ends the show with him. As much as he tries to shake him off, he's always there. I think that, yeah, I, I do agree that I think Jez ultimately is, is Mark's one. And Mark, think, yes. sorry, go on. I was just gonna say, I think there's with Mark and Jez, there's that just it's comfort, isn't it? It's so comfortable and so easy. For, well, not easy because they, you know, they butt heads quite a lot. But I think Mark can be perfectly himself around Jez, and there's there's no shame, no guilt, which is very important for him. Um, so while I think he would hate it, um, there's also a part of him that would like it as well. But I, I think ultimately, if it was just you know, a choice between living with Jeremy forever or like biting the bullet and going back to Sophie. I, I think he probably would actually go back to Sophie. Um, but that would just be terrible. Yeah. Some sort of like bizarre sort of, it's not Stockholm syndrome between doing Jez and Mark because neither one of them is the captor, but they just, they can't <laughs> quite imagine life without each other. And, and therefore they will they will go throughout this life stuck in this endless cycle of um, watching watching art programs <laughs> um, and however many people come and go they will they will always end up together yeah so there we have it 
we we've answered the question that has been been asked for for millennia. It's been it's been on people's <laughs> minds for for so long. And what a way to wrap up our our first episode of the project Zeus Files. So if you've if you've liked what you've what you've listened to if you've enjoyed this sort of episode then please do let us know do send us a message on patreon to to let us know you've enjoyed it and like i said at the top of the episode if there is anything that you want to see us cover in the project zeus files then um then give us a shout and we'll we'll try and try and get that covered um across the series um yeah ultimately this is a show that is special for for you guys listening to so you know if you guys want to shape it then we're more than happy to take those suggestions it should be yeah kind of it's for you so happy for it to be shaped by you yeah absolutely um and and, uh i will shout out our social media channels although i know that you guys are obviously sort of um listening to us i'm guessing you picked them up but if you want to follow us on twitter and you're not already doing so it's that podcast fair arrows uh facebook you can just search for us by searching for podcast secrets the pharaohs i'm not going to bother shouting out the, the email because you've you've all got it because you're all able yeah. to contact us um but do find us on instagram at podcast secrets the pharaohs as well um and yeah i just i really hope you've enjoyed this um it's it's been fun to do tom and i've been have been thinking about it for quite a little while about how we can give something extra to you guys um so yeah check out um the next episode um and and let your friends know about it let let your friends know if there's anybody else that uh wants to sort of check out these these little episodes then then get them signed up to patreon you don't have to be the the top tier to listen to this it's it's right from sort of the the entry level um so if you if you do want to give something a little back um to the show then um then get your friends involved let them know and they can they can hop onto these episodes as well absolutely yeah and i enjoyed the um the shorter format as well it was quite nice to and not to be like constrained by um like the the structure of like an episode i know that's what i quite like about doing the other specials that we you know we've done in the past as well so it's nice just to be able to chat quite freely yeah big time and and if if you if you've listened to today's episode and you think you know what i really can't stand rob being the fucking lead on this show i need tom back to (laughs) back to hosting again then then feel free to tell us. Um, But yeah, thank you um, as always for listening and uh, thank you for joining me, Tom. Oh, oh, crap. What do I say? Uh, Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) 